connect and experience art at the Northfield Arts Guild. Visit our galleries, arts festival, and take in a performance at our theater featuring a full season of dramas, comedies, and musicals. The Guild's gift shop showcases unique art from over 100 local and regional member artists. Come enjoy music from the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra or the 411 Concert Series. We invite you to explore your creativity in one of our classes. All are welcome at the Northfield Arts Guild. To learn how you can be a part, visit northfieldartsguild.org or call 507-645-8877. Art Zany, radio for the imagination, with your host Paula Granquist, is brought to you by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts. And now, Art Zany, radio for the imagination. Good morning, this is Paula Granquist, and you're tuned in to Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. Thank you for listening to the show that celebrates creating and stories, and I am ready to tune my imagination today, and I hope that you'll join me in that journey. You know, here's what I wrote when I, I never know what's going to come out when I start writing my intro, and so here's what I wrote. I wrote, hello again, because actually we are back again. This is very exciting to be live in the studio. Here we are again, and I'm thrilled to be live again. And I thought, whoa, I wrote the word again three times in two sentences. That is not okay. (laughs) And sometimes that happens. You know, when you're writing, you want to sound like you're talking, but sometimes things, you know, you know, catch things like that. I know that's not a good idea, but you know what? I'm going to leave it in. And that's why I decided to say it today, because it's kind of like when you say that word again, again, it's like a little calling, right? It's a calling back to the KYMN studio to the board and the microphone of Art Zany Radio. And I'm very grateful to KYMN for all the support they've given me. And I absolutely hope to be here again and again. And one of the things I love doing is looking out the studio window and witnessing the Northfield frame from our view of downtown and the world outside our window today. There's piles of snow and it looks like winter. It's that fresh, white, wondrous snow and it's very pretty actually with the sun shining and sparkling snow and it's kind of amazing when we have worlds like that and it's a good time too because I think we're sliding into the end of winter. At least that's what I like to believe that March is right around the corner and you know there's a feeling of, it's okay, I can make through these last few days of cold and snow because there's going to be more sunshine, warmer temperatures, longer days. And one thing I've been doing to sort of remind myself of winter is paying attention to the sounds of winter, thinking, you know what, I might need to remember those memories on some hot, sticky July day in the near future. And I love that squeaky sound of snow. All of you who've been around here know that there's that crunch that that your footsteps make. And it's kind of like this giant keyboard, but a keyboard maybe with only a few notes. And it's kind of just amazing to immerse yourself in that creak, cring, crackle. I don't know what the sound is. I've been trying to come up with the words, but that's that's where I went. And it's like as you go down your path, you've got company. And you cannot do that in the summer. So take a stroll now. Get to enjoy the winter. You know, feel that layer of snow on the bottom of your soul as you take a foot by- footstep. There's a texture to that that's, I think it's kind of like hard sand. I'm imagining somebody out there who lives in 
a world that never gets snow and trying to understand what we're talking about or that's never experienced it. And it, you know, it really makes you feel grounded to walk on that kind of snow because there's a sturdiness to it that's not like other kinds of snow. We have, I, I would love someday, I know that there are other cultures that have multiple ways of describing snow. I don't think we do a good job doing that in the English language. We have to say a million words to say what we all know. And it's something that's kind of amazing to think about. You know, I love too when you're driving the sound of your car makes even a different sound. It's like a little purr as you roll down the road. There's that cold silence that you can only hear on a winter's night. The air is so fast and there's just nothing like that in the summer. So I'm going to take a little bit of that good winter when it comes around again. I'm ready. And, you know, I'm also thinking in winter, when I woke up, the streets were plowed, and I have so much gratitude for those snowplow drivers and their plows and anyone keeping us connected with our world moving. During these last few years, I, I think that's one of the great takeaways. I hope that we've all gained some recognition of how many people are essential to making our world happen. And my greatest wish is that all of us now see and show gratitude for all of the folks that help us to make life possible. I don't even want to begin to name them because there's just so many. And those essential folks are not unlike those gifts of nature. They're amazing, shiny stars in the aspects of our life. And we need to connect and hold fast to these elements of our life because they will all pass. This whole thing is temporary. And that's one of the gifts that I've discovered in these last few years. We have to find each other. And you know, during our time together, we have to help see what's in the world, what's in the person you share this world with, and how that's like what's inside of you. Because I think there's a lot more alike in us than not. So I think that's why we're here in the Arts Annie Radio studio, to make connections and to better live alive in the moments. So I, I think the part of what I've been thinking about some of these things is the book I'm going to introduce you to this week. And I'm very excited. I am super delighted to uh, welcome back an author and teacher that has been just an amazing inspiration. She's an incredible talent, and she has great stories, and I can't wait to tell you more. Let me turn on the mic and welcome Mary Blackwell to Art Zany Radio. Thank you, Paula, and great to have, to be back in the studio, I as you know, say. I know, it's so exciting for us to be here again live, and then for you to return with your next project, which I want to tell our listeners a little bit about. Her new book is a middle grade novel, it's called The Worry Knot, Untangling Middle School Life, and Rourke is the character in the book, and he is hoping for this perfect seventh grade year. Don't you always love that about the fall, right? Like every year you think, this one's going to be the one. I'm going to get this right. But he is a boy who worries a lot. And it affects his friendships, his sleep, his stomach. And it's certainly a story about um, compassion, dis- un- unexpected discoveries, and no one discovering that no one is perfect, just different. You can get lots more details about Mary at her website, Mary Blackwell. It's B-L-E-C-K-W-E-H-L dot com. She's the author of some of our family's favorite picture books. Henry, You're Late Again. Henry, You're Hungry Again. And then her most recent one, which she was here in the Arts Annie Radio studio, uh, is Claire's Hair, A Tale of Hair, Heart, and Humor. And also the birthday cookbook, which I don't know a lot about, so we're going to ask you about that as well. There's an event coming up at Content Bookstore, which is where you can get copies, um, contentbookstore.com. 
And that event is on Thursday, March 3rd, which is right around the corner at 7 o'clock. So I hope you'll join um, Content and Mary for that. I want to ask you about that birthday cookbook because since you've been on, which is about four years ago, mm-hmm. I looked at your, your website and I thought, I missed the birthday cookbook. So it feels like we're celebrating the uh, release of The Worry Not. I bet there's something in the birthday cookbook to help us celebrate. Yes, the birthday cookbook is isn't a a storybook in terms of a story arc. It's a cookbook, right? Yeah, and it's for it's for kids. It's called the birthday cookbook. It is one of I believe six in a series that comes out from Black Rabbit Books Publishing out of Mankato. And but I only wrote the the birthday cookbook. I think the other ones are different holidays and so on. And although it's called the birthday cookbook, it has recipes in that that's pretty generic that kids it's easy for them to to uh not have to use the hot oven and so on so it's just some fun things and the the graphics which i am not responsible for are so sweet in it so it's just a kind of a fun cookbook for kids so yes that one came out during covid that's why you didn't see me in studio or talk much about it um also uh, you know because it's it's uh Mainly for the what we call the school and education market, where schools and libraries order it. You oh. probably aren't going to find that at content, but you could order it from through them. Oh, how fabulous! Well, you're always uh, cooking up something, so that's yes. that's quite <laughs> exciting. I, I think kids, you know, birthdays are big deals when you're a kid, and kids like to find ways, you know, to make it special for them for them to do something too. Yes, to individualize it and to rather than just uh, mom or dad or grandpa or grandma kind of running the show for kids to come up with their own ideas and like, you know, I made that. Right. And so that's wonderful. I'm delighted. And again, this is certainly an exciting time because it's your publication of The Worry Not, Untangling Middle School Life, which we all know needs a lot of untangling. And uh, this is is, is uh, really, really exciting. It's, a, it's a, a transition for you from writing picture books into a middle grade book. Tell me about making that transition. There's, it's, a, it's a different way of writing. It, it definitely is. Obviously, the first one that people would notice is it's longer and it's for a different target audience. I, I still, I, I'm a children's writer. I don't write for adults. And of course, a children, that's all the way from, you know, birth to, you know, ho- however long you think of a child's life, I guess, mainly through middle school. I have, I started out writing picture books and I still, I spend a lot of time with ideas and I've got, you know, I don't know how many uh, manuscripts sitting on my computer. They may always sit there and not turn into a book. But um, when I sit down, when I think of an idea and a topic and I sit down, it's really the, um, the target, it's, it's the target audience that I'm thinking about writing for that will sometimes determine the length of the book. But more than not, it's the theme and the characters and kind of where they take me as I'm writing it. And they, they surprise me sometimes. Sometimes I think it's going to be a shorter book or early chapter book or something. In this case, it became a full-length novel. It's very, I cannot recommend this enough. And I think it says middle grade, but I think everyone can read it. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I think it, it's very well done. So I have. Oh. Well, I think it is somewhat of a crossover in terms of, of um, 
target audience. I wrote it for upper, what I would call upper middle grade, like ages maybe 10 to 13 would be the, the target audience. But I've had quite a few adults read it who have given me feedback. And there's, I think because of some of the universal themes in it, that it's, it's, uh, there's something to chew on there for all ages. Yeah, let, let's um, let's get into that a little bit. Um, oh, and I guess I did want to mention that when we, when you were here for Claire's hair, I when I looked it up, and in fact, this morning in the studio, something that has never happened before, we you know use files to record the the, the piece, and your file popped up. It's like a, a really random thing that that would happen, that that would be the next one in line, and that was from Claire's hair, and that was almost four years ago, and it feels sometimes it feels like that must have been a blink. But, you know, I know it was four years, but wow, it's hard to believe that that went that fast. And then I was thinking of um, that time. And if we knew then what we were going to go through in these mm. last couple of years, I started thinking about because I, I'm, I'm a worrier, a little bit of a worrier. And <laughs> I thought, wow, if I knew what was coming in advance of the pandemic, I would have worried a whole lot. And, mm-hmm. I, and and then then started making you know thinking about this idea of is would that have been worth it to worry that much, and and so I wondered if you are a worrier too, and that was part of what started you writing the worry knot. Well, there's no question about it that I consider myself kind of a professional worrier. Uh, <laughs> I don't really remember, you know, maybe it's because I don't just plain don't remember um, the earlier years of you know early childhood I grew up on a farm and it seemed like the worries were few um, mm. you know it might have had worries might have dealt more with um, you know are the cows in the yard or something um, <laughs> are the chores done there's yeah, always chores yes. uh, and but when I hit middle school which was called junior high in my day um, I went from when I when I started seventh grade I went from having a class of the same 30 kids all the way through elementary school to moving to the bigger town where the junior high was Mm. in seventh grade. And so suddenly from 30 kids to over 200 in my class and so many new faces and the way you move from class to class instead of sticking with one, one teacher. And um, my worry chart (laughs) or whatever you call it just shot up. And, and I, I think that, my main worry then was fitting in, you know, things, you're going through a big transition. And that's really um, where I got the idea for this is, you know, what are, what are kids today? um, What are they worried about? And as you said, are they looking ahead to the future and worrying about, or are they just thinking about today's worries? Mm -hmm. It could be both. Yeah, and so in this book, I, let's we should talk about the characters and a little bit about the story to set it up because um, the, the, it's a very relatable group of characters. And and I have to compliment you, and you've done a brilliant job of helping us keep track of these characters. There's a lot of characters in the book, but I never once felt lost. Never had to go wait. Who? And that's a sign of a really good writing when you when you're just immersed well, in the you. story <laughs> and you can just take off. And so it's it starts with with two brothers, and that's where everything's you know centered around their relationship and their family. But tell us a little more about how they came to you, how you decided to sure. tell this particular family story. Sure. Well, I kind of describe this book, Paula, as a bit of a mashup between. Between uh, middle school angst and brotherly love, and you know, at its uh, basic, most basic level, it's about a seventh grader named Rourke Berger, 
and uh, it kind of follows him through his seventh grade year. And, and as as the title in, implies, <laughs> he's a warrior. He's kind of a professional warrior like I was in seventh grade, I guess. And But um, what... What the story really boils down to in the end is a story of compassion for others, and especially about his vulnerable brother who is on the autism spectrum. And and so it, it's, um, it's that compassion story as well as recognizing, you know, that everyone has something to contribute without giving away the ending. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And so it's their their world of, you know, how I, I think it's really an, an interesting dynamic for anyone to think about um, if if the attention is sometimes on the person with a different ability, then how does that affect the person who is trying to just ma- make it through the world? And they have this added pressure. And I mean, I guess I've never really delved into that deeply. And this book opened up those doors for me and really made me think about the family dynamics that happen and the way that, um, you know, families can... Um, kind of become off kilter or, you know, lose, lose, you know, a little bit of, um, every, everybody tries to find their place. And, mm-hmm. and, and that happens in all families, right? All kids think, well, mom loves so-and-so more. Mom always, <laughs> you know, share, is, is nicer to, to so-and-so. But this, there's a, that extra different element. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, and, and sometimes it, um, you know, it's all perspective. Sometimes you feel that way, but you're really writing that story. It isn't really <laughs> what somebody else is feeling. And and I think you've you've hit it uh, right on the the nail on the head here with this the worry not my debut middle grade novel in that it's it's um uh, sometimes depending upon the perspective of the reader perhaps um you might think the story is about um the person who's it's, it's told in first person, so it's Rourke, the seventh grader. You might think, oh, you know, these are his feelings and his worries. Or you might, as a reader, um, take on the, uh, the, the feelings and the views of his best friend or his older brother, who, again, has, has challenges. And so I think that there's a little layering, multi-layering in this. Um, there's also a, a kind of a class bully who was also, he kind of knows he's the most popular kid. And even though he's somewhat of a bully, everybody seems to be kind of attracted to him anyway and wants to be in a circle. And so there's all these different characters that rep- what I was trying to do, Paula, in this is represent, you can't have 200 characters in a story. But I was trying to take a small group of characters who might represent um, some of the key personalities that you would find in any group, and in this case, a middle school. Right, and it is, it's absolutely right. There's even the parents' perspective, too, in here, in that you know I, I could see it through my eyes as a parent, and, and so that was really fun to discover. And one of the things I love early in the book, there's this line from Rourke, and um, he says, I googled remedies for worry. Stay active, don't drink alcohol, which, of course, a kid would discover, right? Write your own <laughs> worries down and breathe. And it's, it's kind of made me think, well, gosh, that shows that even when he googled that, we kind of find uh, adult answers for what to do with worry. Um, and I think that, it, you know, it sh- it, 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 we all worry. and But sometimes it's harder for kids to, to manage that. Um, 
you know, and, and even at some point, Rourke says, this is getting weird. I worry about other people's worries. Like he worries mm-hmm. so much, he worries about what everybody else is worried about. So, how, you know, how did you get into the mindset of a seventh grader and, and you know, discover his world and his worries? Well, um, I, I didn't go over to the middle school and sit down and interview people, I will have to say. Um, I, uh, because the kind of the tail end of this, the end, end edi- editing process was during the pandemic. The early stages of it, um, and by the way, it's so, so exciting to finally be sitting here and talking about this published book because I started it. 10, 12 years ago. And sometimes you just kind of get tired of your own work. <laughs> Naturally, I wasn't working on it every single day for 10 years, in and out of it, um, in the editing stage and so on. Um, but as I mentioned, I recall seventh grade as being that pivotal time for me. A lot of changes going on, you know, um, your body is changing and that's weird and, 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 and uh, there's that hormone stuff. But there's also thing, pressures that um, like competition for a place in, um, if you're trying out for cheerleading or a part in the play or the choir or something. And so things go from just like... You know, we're all friends, and and everybody gets a ribbon for participating (laughs) to like, oh, somebody gets the part and somebody doesn't. So that's part of it, of how I kind of get into the head. But of course, it's been a long time ago since I was a seventh grader. So I have an opportunity, Paula, to still, even though I'm not an everyday classroom teacher, to get my kid fixed by still doing some subbing in Northfield School District from everything kindergarten through high school, as well as I, I present to about, um, pre-pandemic anyway, about 10,000 students a year, either in author visits in schools or at young writer conferences, and including middle school kids. So I see and talk to them, and they're in my neighborhood. And I read a lot of middle grade novels. <laughs> and to be perfectly honest, to answer the, this is a long way of answering the question, that's mainly how I kind of stay connected with what kids are reading and um, what characters of that age are doing and mm-hmm. how I should present them in a story. Yeah, it's, I mean, you've captured it. My kids just recently went through seventh grade, although their seventh grade was a pandemic seventh grade. So (laughs) there's a lot. It actually made me a little sad thinking about, oh, they didn't have dances. They didn't, you know, get to do some of those traditional, Mm -hmm. um, you know, basketball games, uh, some of those things. So there's a a loss. Yeah, it is. But the worries, you know, they they were still there. They were the same. Folks, this is Art Zaney, Radio for the Imagination. I'm talking with Mary Blackwell. We're talking about her new book, The Worry Not, which is now available. It is out in print. You can find that um, at your local bookstore. You can also come to Content Bookstore for an event that's happening on, let's get that date right, it is 
Thursday, March 3rd, from 7 o'clock to 8.30. But uh, it'll be a reading and time for conversation and questions. And um, I'm very much looking forward to that. And so it's very exciting to be able to, you know, introduce the book to our listeners. I hope a lot of them will go and pick it up and, and read it over the weekend so that they can, you know, come with lots of really good questions or, or even stories. Because like you said, there's universality in, in, in a lot of these things that, you know, I found myself flooded with memories of the things, mm-hmm. you know, that happened. It's like, oh, I hadn't thought about that in a long time. But yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, and I've it, had other adults say the same thing that have read it, um, that it, it kind of took them back to seventh grade. And of course, it is for a middle school age reader. But uh, I think that there is something in there for everybody. And by the way, uh, speaking of that, um, at the at the end of the book, there are a few discussion questions. And so whether it's a middle grade, middle school age uh, book club or an adult book club, or whether you're a teacher who wants to use the book as a mentor text in the classroom for purposes of, purposes of discussion, that those those can kind of inspire or be a springboard for, for a good discussion, too. I think, yeah, it's set up perfect. And I'm so excited that there are book clubs in schools now. I, I, don't, I didn't have that when I was a kid. I would have absolutely just, mm-hmm. like, I devoured books. And so I didn't always get a chance to talk with people about them. So that's very exciting. You know, there's, um, I, I mean, Rourke worries so much. There, There's a line in here that really just kind of says a lot. He says he wished that his it's a, there was a terrible incident at school, and, and he just is so frustrated, and he gets in the car after he's probably, he's had to go to the, I think it was the principal's office he had to go to. Um, he wants his mom to drive them all, their whole family, to a land where no one minds if Carson is different, and worry hasn't been invented yet. Oh, that was, yeah. that was a it's really... Kind of heavy, and, and I think about... Um, Again, I, as a young child, I don't feel like I worried about things, and I I think of that time as a period of before worries were invented. <laughs> you know, the kind well, that's of that, interesting. That, that match of that innocence um, where you're not so much aware. But um, Paul, I also want to mention that you know worry isn't a bad thing. It sometimes moves us into action, and um, also makes us kind of empathize with others. But I think that what worry does, or, or, or what worry is, is a reflection of a, ourselves caring. Mm-hmm. You know, when we worry, it's because we care about our grades or our looks or our health or our friendships. And But it's kind of how you can uh, cope with them that's critical. You know, if it gets you to a point like sometimes in the story, through most of the story, Rourke is tied up in stomach, stomach is tied up in knots, hard for him to sleep and so on. Um, but if you can um, move on, worries aren't going to go away in our life. We have a lot of challenges, but if you can move on to a more positive place then or, and do something about them and maybe have a different perspective, that um, then worries can be, you know, an effective tool. That, yeah, that's true, right? Because you, I think, like you said, it 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 pushes us towards something, 
and or makes us, you know, take on something that, you know, we we can't even see if, if we make it through that, what great that might be bringing to us. And so that's, that's a really good thing. Uh, you know, I did want to ask you, because um, Carson, his brother, as you mentioned, is, is on the aut- autism spectrum. And there was a Kirkus review that mentioned um, that this was a middle grade novel that focuses on the lives of a neurotypical middle schooler and his neurodiverse brother. And those were... Uh, different descriptors that I had not heard before. Um, was that, is that something that, you know, in your work with um, trying to navigate this world of, di- of uh, different abilities that that mm-hmm. has come through? Those are kind of the, you know, I, I don't know if we'd call those the politically correct ways of, of, of um, describing um, typical behavior versus um, atypical, in this case, um, individuals on the autism spectrum. Um, I, I kind of get my tongue twisted when I try to say neurodiverse for some yes. reason, so I don't use it a lot. Uh, but but I want to s- state that um, I am a parent of one of these neurodiverse individuals. Um, our son, one of our sons, is on the autism spectrum, and so you know when you asked earlier about you know how did you kind of get into the world of this story, um, I certainly have that perspective as a parent. Um, and uh, I, although I spent a lot of time worrying, um, and still do, I guess, uh, about him and his challenges and his future, uh, what I what I've found out uh, at this stage, because he's now an adult, is that I've seen such, an imp- such a positive impact that he has had in opening our family's eyes and lives, as, as well as others. And to know uh, work of us, but but on just his own personality and reaching out, and so I wanted to write a story that shows um, not only the seriousness of worry, but also it, that it brings an uplifting message that. Um, when we all uh, open our eyes a little bit wider and listen and watch, that things aren't always as they seem just from observation, that there's something underneath the surface there and that, that everybody has something to contribute. So, you know, that's um, kind of the, the message that I was trying to bring. Yeah, and that that is always a challenge, that how do we use the words, because you want words to not... Um, point out things or make you know make someone feel com- uncomfortable and so we i think we all struggle with how do we <laughs> yeah. describe the, you know, those differences the diagnosis and then it comes labels and so on and and you do want to be careful and um so again um the differences yes the focus of the story cuz the book has to have a focus is is bet- on the relationship between Rourke and his brother but as one reads the story, you realize that Rourke really is kind of jumping to conclusions a little bit, not only about um, his brother's challenges, but other individuals that he encounters, friends, neighbors, and so on. And um, so it's not just about the difference that his brother has and his brother's challenges, but challenges that other characters in the book have. Right. I thought that was really important because Carson is, is the brother and his differences might be more visible. And in fact, one of the, there's this part where, he, um, oh, where did I, uh, 
I think I put it, it was on this spot, Oh, uh, where he says, um, if your brother is Carson Berger, there are no far-off places because his problems aren't quiet. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because, whereas other things might be a little bit more quiet. Right, but that's what there. I loved is, yes. is that the, the other, you know, everybody has these things, in, whatever they are in their life, and you don't, they're not always as apparent. And if we can't see that in other people or recognize even that ourselves, Sometimes we have things we're dealing with that, um, you know, are hard to name or, or you know, we might need some uh, somebody to, to help us with. It, it's really, um, that was a really nice moment to develop these characters that way. Thank you. I think that um, kind of the takeaway I'm hoping that young readers at least get from this is that, you know, worry is a natural thing. It's a, kind of in the human condition. But again, as I said earlier, it just shows that, that you care. And, and then for t- uh, teachers and uh, parents and so on, who maybe they can use this book as a tool to foster some healthy conversation. Um, because I think that, that books um, at their kind of their basic level, it's, it's, we can use them um, as a s- safe place to process information and, uh, again, a springboard for conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, uh, you know, Carson, uh, I, I actually enjoy the way, you know, that he um, is so enthusiastic about, you know, what he sees in the world and, and counting and his collections of keys and, you know, the uh, way that he... Um, there's just a a joy that, you know, he exudes, which doesn't always make Rourke feel so joyful sometimes when (laughs) he has to navigate with him. Now he's at the same school. That's part of the other dilemma. And so, you know, being a seventh grader and then you've got this brother who's also, you know, uh, gets pointed out uh, several times. Uh, So it's it's really wonderful. Another thing, I'm going to talk a little bit about a writerly thing that I thought was very fascinating was that you open each chapter with kind of a, a journal entry or a, a thought or a uh, insight maybe uh, of each of the characters. And I haven't seen this before in a book. So I was really interested in this. Um, it's not a chapter title and it's, it's sort of a piece of the story, but it's not exactly the story that's inside that chapter, but it's very revealing of sort of what's going on inside a character or, or, or a thought. Tell me about developing that strategy. It really was a, a wonderful way to, you know, uh, sort of keep in touch with the, all of the characters as the book was moving along and kind of revealing little bits to us. Yes, well, um, you know, I tried this uh, story from third person and, and then first person and back and of forth. Of course, yeah, there's so many versions. And I, um, oh, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we landed, and when, when I say we, because editor and I landed on first person. That's the way it was going to be told because it was so personal from Rourke's point of view. But again, um, a book will go on and on and on and be way too long <laughs> if, if you're trying to tell everybody else what's going on in the life of other people, especially you can't, you don't know what's going on in somebody else's head if you're telling it from first person. So it was just, they're just little um, drips and drabbles. Uh, is that a word? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, at the beginning of each chapter, and as you said, Paula, um, sometimes it's 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 moms, or it's dads, or it's uh, a friend. Just 
a one-liner usually of a thought that they're that they might have of a character in the book or their own lives, their own perspective, that's all of a sudden like, whoa, you know, from the main character's perspective, the first person, you're listening to it this way, but really, that isn't the way that person is thinking. So it, as you, as you pointed out, it just gives a, a few insights um, without um, having to, you know, to devote a whole chapter to it. I thought it was quite brilliant. I, I feel like it really added a de- depth to the story. And, and the little snippets are actually within themselves. You know, you could have whole discussions uh, about, they're very profound, very um, philosophical or, you know, just uh, insightful or uh, telling, you know, some, I could see launchings, like you said, you could do whole chapters mm-hmm. <laughs> about them, yes. but the way that you planted them, little seeds along the way, it's, it's very well executed. So I th- that Good, might I'm be, you, you, you may have started something. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're right, when you're trying to tell a story of a group of people, it's, you know, and you're trying to do it within a couple hundred pages, it gets extremely complicated. Uh, but this story is, it moves so quickly. And it, I mean, it really do masterfully take us into the world and the problems. And, um, you know, I, I just I just think you really get that right, the, you know, the pacing of that. Well, and, and as you, you've read it, and we don't want to give anything away no, here, so we any don't. spoilers, but, <laughs> but there are some tense situations in this story. But I also want to point out, um, you know, because it's, it's uh, no matter what book I pick up, how serious it is, I kind of want a little bit of lightness in oh, it, too. Oh, that's in there, too. Right, yes. And, and that's in there. You know, this, uh, this <laughs> is, uh, the characters are in middle school for the most part, and, um, you know, if he's not, uh, not worrying about, you know, how he looks and, and which side of his hair he's part, parted on, um, part of his head, I should say, <laughs> to part his hair on, um, it's something silly about, you know, dancing with girls in gym class and, and right that kind of yeah thing. the teachers so, the way they describe the teachers <laughs> just cracked me up and and the i mean there is there's a, a dance party i found myself um laughing with them uh laughing with the family um you know carson has some really great zingers in there where you're like oh my gosh that's he's so perceptive and it's it's so perfectly timed right his his lines so th- that's in there too we don't want people to think it's just about uh worries <laughs> that's right and, and the coping um i don't know how much time more we have here together but um um naturally we want to address how does one cope with things and um there are interesting ways that that rourke um, looks at to cope and doesn't he has some support um, but one of the things that he kind of relies on is is um, an imaginary friend mm-hmm. and so that's that kind of takes uh, readers in another dimension too I think there's a good a, a lot of good discussion that maybe could rebound as a result of, of that coping strategy that that Rourke has. Yeah, and, and Sam is that imaginary friend's name who becomes kind of a character within the book, too. It doesn't just stay within um, the world of, of Rourke's head. And I, I thought that was one of the, the uh, brilliant lines. It's one of those little chapter openings, too, where Carson says, Who is Sam? I hear Rourke talking to him sometimes. Yes. And I, I just I loved that like that that element of intimacy and 
that shared sort of compassion. I think, you know, especially because it's, you know, he's curious about Sam. And, and you know, Paul, I have to share this, that, again, I've worked this story for over 10 years, and I've reread that line and so on for, for I, I hundreds of times. <laughs> and when you when you read it, it kind of gives me shivers. It's almost as if I've been told it for the first time. And I'm so I'm hoping that um, the story is uh, interesting and meaningful and, you know, has some uh, some depth to it for for readers and um, that there's a there's a takeaway there of of um, gaining perspective on the usefulness of worry and but also taking it to the point where it can be an effective tool and not something that buries you and, and freezes you where you can't operate. Right. And and that that is evident throughout the book. It's a very entertaining book and <laughs> but but it also has those levels where you can sort of ponder things and yeah. um I think in middle school kids are really primed for for being curious about that and the world. Um but I think adults too will take away uh different experiences and you know it reminds me just you know sometimes to think that uh you know the kids uh, I, I worry a lot, and they always tell me that, Mom, you worry so much. And, but um, that, that sometimes listening to their worries is really important, too, because uh, you know, theirs may be completely different than, than mine. And it, it's, it's, so it opens up those conversations. Uh, so there's so much to this book. It's just really a, a lovely, lovely, and I'm so excited for you to launch this. And uh, I'm excited for people to meet you at content. Um, Oh, the, the, my favorite line about worrying in here is don't waste today worrying about tomorrow. So I, I, what do you think? I think every time a writer writes a book, they learn something about the world. And I wonder what this book, what it is that this book taught you. Boy, that that's a, a good question. I have to think about that. Um, I think it, 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 um, it tells me or it reminds me that again, that, you know, worry is, a natural human condition, um, and you know, for an author, the trickiest part is how do you end the story? Mm. You know, what note do you end it on, and, and then what do I want to bring to the world? And um, in in this case, and in many cases, for different feelings that we have, on the last page of this book, you know the main character's worries aren't going to go away. The challenges of his brother aren't <laughs> going to fly away either. No. Um, but he turns a corner. He, he, he turns the page, so to speak, uh, on his own. And uh, that's what I think life is. Um, and for just a second, you know, getting back to the setting of this book being a middle school setting primarily that although it's one of the toughest I think transitions in life um, as well as moving out of the house maybe and going to your first job or college or you know so on um, I also think and I, I hope that I um, did this in this story it's also the the uh, setting and the, the, the time of Rourke's life when he grows the most and he opens his eyes and realizes that uh, 
you know, some of his coping strategies were not good ones, and that taking on new perspective really shows him that differences are a good thing, and that every again everybody has something to add. I think that's a perfect uh, conclusion. I have more questions, but we'll have to save them for the event at content, <laughs> which Great. is again on. Uh, Let's see, it's on Tuesday, Thursday, yep, excuse Thursday. me, Thursday, mm-hmm. March 3rd, and uh, 2022, if you're listening to a repeat, um, from 7 to 8.30. That's Content Bookstore in downtown Division Street, contentbookstore.com. And you can get more information about Mary at maryblackwell.com. The book, again, is The Worry Not, Untangling Middle School Life. This was so much fun. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, it's a pleasure. back. I, I love it. And folks, thank you for listening to Art Zany Radio. I sure uh, hope that you will continue to tune your imagination with Art Zany. And of course, in the meantime, until next time, enjoy your imagination. You've been listening to Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination, with your host, Paula Granquist. Art Zany is brought to you each week by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts in Faribault. Stop in at Apple Chevrolet Buick Northfield.